Welcome back to the Archie Sonic Digest. So after learning about this new world and our new situation, I, I think at this point we should have already accepted that this is what we're going to be seeing. And I personally am a fan of it so far. Everything that I've seen is very positive. I'm warming up to it. And honestly, I don't really have any complaints about it. It's unfortunate that we had to uh, stop the story before. But, you know, the show must go on, as it were. Yes, absolutely. So today we have a very interesting set of comics. We have some uh, PTSD uh, that we're going to have to deal with. Uh, some lore. A weirdly unexpected sequel to a video game. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which, funny enough, that's where we're going to be starting today. We are starting off with Sonic Universe 59. Flynn and Peppers with the creative team. And, um, all right, folks. I think we just got to say it out now. This is Shadow the Hedgehog 2. This arc is Shadow the Hedgehog 2. So this is the Shadowfall arc. Uh, yeah, so Shadowfall, Shadow the Hedgehog 2 is a direct continuation, if you really want to make it that, of Shadow the Hedgehog. Now, all right, so let's talk about this um, piece of entertainment. Mm -hmm, this, this video game that sure is yeah, a video game. Yeah, sure is a video game. Um, How do we feel about it? <laughs> So let, let me just say it like this. Shadow the Hedgehog and the way that the game plays is that you start off in a central stage, Westopolis, and then depending on the missions you choose in the game can branch off in certain directions. And the point of the game is you have to finish every ending to get to the final story, but that's beside the point. Ten times. Ten fucking times. There are... Oh, oh. There are and, over and 300. Keep, and, 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 keep, and keep in mind, the cherry on top is that... You also have to make sure that the decisions you make via completing level objectives are accomplished correctly. And failing a mission objective can lead you on a wrong path. You can attempt to correct, but there will come a point where you can lock yourself out of an ending by accident. Meaning you have to restart your entire playthrough. Yeah, and uh, these missions are not created equally, folks. <sighs> I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to go into it. Look, people talk a lot about Sonic 06 being a really bad game. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's buggy. Yeah, it's glitchy. Not fun to play. Fine. Shadow the Hedgehog is, like, competently made, but it also has horrendous level design, really bad objectives. Some stages are just absolute labyrinths that are boring as sin to play through. And the fact that you have to do it ten times is the problem. Look, I'm not gonna sit here and say that, like, Shadow the Hedgehog is, like, the worst game I've ever played, but I think it's, like, it's the repetitiveness, it's the level design, it's the way that Shadow controls, like, and that's not even getting started with the story, right? <laughs> and then the gunplay, too. Legit. <laughs> yeah, the, the gunplay is 
passable. It's competent gunplay. It's just a lot of it. Shadow the Hedgehog was made in the era where like people were wanting to have a little bit more edge out of Sonic, especially after little, little, little is an understatement (laughs) considering that opening movie has him like basically pointing a gun to Sonic's head. Uh, Shout out to Izuka saying the reason why they made Shadow the playable character is in response to fan demand of we want Sonic with a gun. <laughs> and they're like, and he he legit was like, hmm, I don't think Sonic would have a gun, but I think Shadow would. <laughs> I think, I think it, <laughs> I, I, I mean, yes. Yeah, and, and, you know, it's, it, it's even, it's even little things. Like every time you press, like you press a button in the menu, it's a fucking gunshot. <laughs> Do you? I still remember. I still remember when uh, our man Vine Sauce Joel played it on stream, and the second he heard the gunshot sound effect, he had a laughing fit. Cause so did I. I, I'm like desensitized to it, but yeah, it is an extremely jarring experience. Um, to speak on the story, since I think it's important that we talk about it. So the plot line from SA2 to Heroes to Shadow is that when 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 Shadow falls off the arc and is resuscitated by Eggman, uh, he loses all of his memory. Shadow the Hedgehog is dealing with that. And so it ties him to this alien invasion called uh, with of monsters called the, the Black Arms. And they're led by this guy named Black Doom. And they come to Earth, they fuck shit up, and basically they need all seven Chaos Emeralds to completely infect the planet and take over and all this stuff. There's a lot of alternate endings and choices that you can make, including such notable uh, endings as uh, Shadow tricks himself into thinking that he's an android because Eggman tells him he's an android. He's not. If you wait long enough in the final boss battle, Eggman says, yeah, it was Japes. You're not an android, right? Including the classic line, Shadow android am i an android too (laughs) also as far as the voice acting goes this was the first game with the four kids cast being introduced into the games properly so hearing jason griffith say that i've never seen anything more jarring i think it i think it stings a little too because there is proof that david humphrey did record a ton of lines for this game and they had a finished voice script for him but they replaced him with the four kids uh actors in the u.s because uh four kids demanded it so uh, i i don't like that i'm not a fan anyways so the end of the game is that essentially uh after being conflicted over who he is i am smile uh, he decides that he's uh earth's protector which is the entire plot line of sa2 and uh, defeats Black Doom, sends the uh, Black Comet into outer space, uh, uses the Eclipse Cannon to destroy it. Lati fucking da. Uh, there are there are some interesting endings that we we should talk about um, from Shadow the Hedgehog, including ones where uh, Shadow takes on a nomadic role as protector of the Ark, much akin to Knuckles, in order to honor uh, Gerald's legacy, which. It's always stuck out to me as very interesting for the character to go that route. I can see where you're coming from, yeah. The whole point of, like, Shadow's relationship with Maria is that he's going to be, like, the protector of Earth. And then he kind of becomes twisted into focusing on Gerald. And he says, like, in order to honor Gerald's legacy and to ensure that the Ark is no longer manipulated by humanity, 
I will be the protector of the Ark. Yeah, there's also um, some very funny uh, endings, including uh, Shadow beating Eggman and then taking control of the Shadow Android Horde and just saying, fuck it, we're gonna destroy the Earth because why not? There's an ending where you beat Black Doom with Sonic and then fight Sonic and the Gun Commander uh, just to be like, haha, I am the best hedgehog now. The worst endings are absolutely the full genocide route where you're just fully evil all the way through and then shadow's just a villain and it's like okay uh what was that one where he was with vector and it just ends up with him having like clinical depression oh yeah no that's that's one of the that's one of the arc endings he's just really like depressed he's like fuck like my life is really just this this complete disaster direct quote it's shadows with the chaos emerald surrounding him basically saying i am a mistake i should never have been created i'm like this is a sonic game Yeah, so the most important thing that we want to talk about from all of this is Shadow's origin was switched. Shadow wasn't an experiment anymore. He was actually the byproduct of splicing alien DNA and creature DNA. Shadow is, in essence, a black arms bred being. And this was a bargain Gerald struck. I am not a fan of this because I personally prefer the idea that Gerald was just trying to create an incredibly strong life form as a friend for Maria. And it just got co-opted into like, it was a military project first. And then it became, you know, the ultimate life form to protect Maria and protect the earth. I don't like the, the decision and direction to turn it into, he was an alien the whole time, but I can live with it. If it's not brought up that often, which it's been kind of expunged from the canon with all of that context in mind, I think it's important to just recognize that technically Shadow is a member of the Black Arms. That is the crucial aspect of this arc going into it. So let's begin properly. So the comic opens on Media Res with Gun's spider troop plus Team Dark are flying in a shuttle en route to what they call a new Black Comet to directly engage with the Black Arms, which were presumed defeated after Shadow destroyed the Black Comet in the past. So, the troop is cleared to engage once they're docked. They obviously don't expect a warm welcome. Omega is very happy to hear that as he is exceedingly excited in the back going, Doc, 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 Doc. He really wants to dock, man. So the ship attaches itself to the side of a comet, and the troops jump out and directly fight with the first black arms that they see. Shadow takes one out, taking its sword for himself as Omega and Rouge are support firing. Then Shadow sees out of the corner of his eye a gun mech fighting a behemoth black arm, which is the, like, big armored one from the game. Leaving Shadow to stab it in the back, leading the rest of the troop to continue onward and set up a perimeter. Although Shadow thinks something is off. All this was token resistance and they just let us on board. Rude just says, relax, I'm sure we'll find more aliens than you can be happy in your misery, buddy. Uh, But the spider troop are here to complete a mission as they pull out a tactical nuclear warhead. Ah. Once activated and anchored, it will turn anything in a five mile radius of it to dust. And Omega, our man, sees it as a beautiful piece of art as uh, Shadow recalls what the mission exactly is. So earlier in Gun HQ, the Spider Troop and Team Dark are being briefed on the top secret mission by Commander Tower. So the Gun Troops are handling the situation of the planet being shattered right now. So if information about this Black Comet were to get out, the already bad situation would spiral out of control. So Shadow just says, okay, get on with it. 
In short, new black comet has been detected as racing toward the planet. The black arms are back. Shadow says this is impossible. You know, I destroyed them with the eclipse cannon. I could destroy the hive mind. Like, what does this mean? Commander Tower says that all sensory data from the Ark confirms that this comet is in fact of the black arms. And asks Shadow, since you spent time among your ranks, what do you know? This uh, leads the spider troop to all glare at Shadow and he glares back. The art is a little funny. I'm not going to lie. It's... It's also weird because, like, I don't think it's ever been discussed, but there's, like, supposed to be, like, a canon path for Shadow the Hedgehog that involves him at one point teaming up with the Black Arms. I don't I don't know the canon path, but it's been talked about for a really long time. But, yes, in the canon of the game, the canonical path, Shadow does at one point team up with the, the Black Arms and, and commits many acts. Uh, you know, uh, just a, a funny haha war crime or two. Yeah, you know, just a little little bit of war crimes. You know, that's a treat. Basically, Shadow just says, look, I don't know anything other than the invasion. I don't even know if there were any other black arm colonies. But Shadow remains firm. If these are new black arms or imposters, either way, they're threats to the world and I will stop them. The mission. Team Dark will be leading the spider troop to the black arms in one of Gunn's assault ships. Additionally, place a nuclear warhead inside that will vaporize the comet and leave no trace of the intruders. One troop member asks if this is overkill. The commander says that this is the quickest option. Even if we could destroy each alien inside, Omega interrupts saying that he could absolutely do that. Commander continues, there is the possibility of the unpiloted comet impacting the planet, and we don't need more damage. We blow it up to remove any and all potential threats. So, the mission is agreed upon. Everyone's dismissed, except for Rouge and Omega. And as Shadow leaves, he kind of turns his head back, just wondering what they're discussing. So this is another thing that I kind of felt a little iffy about this arc, is that it does rehash a little bit from Shadow. We're kind of going on those same story beats. In the present, the Spider Troop are working to commence the next push. As Rouge tells Shadow, they certainly are Black Arms that we know of, but Shadow says he doesn't know if they're imposters. Ultimately, Black Arms are one race all of the same. Shadow himself does have a loose connection to the hive mind, so he can sense how they feel and act. The blood of the Black Arms run in his veins, and he can feel them moving throughout the comet. This gives Rouge to give a shared concern look with Omega, as she tells Shadow, don't go too deep in there, buddy. Uh, we don't need you thinking like them. Shadow doesn't think anything of it, just says, push onward. The spider troop will continue the transport of the nuke as, uh, quote, Commander Tower's pet freaks. I think that's a little bit of a racism in there. Glad to see some things didn't end in the old canon. (laughs) (laughs) Shadow as much agrees to that. Unbeknownst to the team, they are being spied on by the Eye of Black Doom. Remember that little tentacle thing from the game? It's that thing. He is coming. Black Doom's greatest creation and his executioner. And then in a different room, we see a high-level black arm saying that he knew this day would come. Just assume it would be more on his terms. But perhaps it will be for the best. The humans will be good nourishment for this small army. They haven't had a proper meal in some time, especially since they had to delay for this experiment. And then around the corner, another high-level black arm is doused in shadows in the background saying, no worries, master. The Dark Arms will make us strong. He agrees. The purpose will be given earlier than expected as well, but we will make the treasonous Shadow pay for his crimes. The other one does agree, but maybe he can listen to reason after all. I would hate to lose a brother. Brother. That's an interesting way to... 
Gun troops are making their way through the comet. They feel like there's no progression. Omega is able to detect the surrounding area, but he just says that the architecture is as alien as their tech. So he just offers to blast their way through the comet. But one of the troops says, hey, take it easy, Tin Man. We got a resident alien hybrid thing to show us the way. Are you trying to antagonize me? Maybe. Why? Does he hate your little feelings? No, it just makes you sound like an idiot. Kind of based. <laughs> Good. Put him in his place, Shadow. Put him in his fucking place. Shadow is then seen trying to tap into the hive mind again. When Rouge asks of him the way, he just says like this was supposed to give him a sense of direction. But then he stops for a second and asks Omega, When you turned on Eggman, did you have any problem fighting against your own kind? Omega says no. I was built to destroy. Eggman keeps making inferior robots, so I am content. What is the purpose of your query? N no reason. Forget I asked. Rehash. Rehash. When the troops find another room, it's a dead end as far as they're concerned, but kind of sort of not really. There's this weird goop on the wall. He remembers that it's one of those weird things the aliens put on Prison Island. Shadow looks at it and says he doesn't exactly know how to translate it. The closest thing he comes up with a conduit gel. It's an oozing fungus for quick transport. It's impossible to use if you're not dark arm. Or part of one. So he offers to take it to scout ahead, but Rouge says no. We are in enemy territory and we're outnumbered. Shadow just says I'm gonna scout only. I'll be fine. So he goes into it, kind of slooshes around, following it to another room. Then it pops out right in front of a behemoth black arm. Okay, great, Rouge. Can you not be right all the time? <laughs> Yeah, he is surrounded now. In the room Shadow left behind, the door behind them closes and locks. The spider troops order safeties off, but Omega detects elements of an aerosol neurotoxin. 10 parts per million, 30 parts increasingly rising. Then Rouge panics. Wait, the, this isn't poison gas. This is a paralyzing gas so they can eat us. Yeah, that's also a rehash from Shadow. But I mean, hey, it makes sense if you're gonna use the same thing twice. Like it, it, it was the it was the bullshit plot element at the end of that game. Might as well, you know, use it to, for for stakes in this comic. Yeah, where Shadow is surrounded by behemoths, Shadow says his ambush is pointless with his chaos control warp. It's not working. It's not working. He gets punched into the fucking dirt. But he is able to get his bearings. He does lift one of the behemoths up and smashes them around. But Shadow's able to hold his own for a minute. But once in the air, a bounce attack from where he was swiped down from a black volt, which is the pterodactyl looking one. He's smashed down to the floor again and a voice just says, nope, stop. We don't want to kill him if we don't have to. Then Shadow looks up, asking who the voice is, comes saying, in a way, I am you, a living weapon built for a singular purpose. The black arm biology perfected. The shadow that blocks out the last light of hope. I am Eclipse the Darkling. <laughs> so I'm all right. Look, I, 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 okay, I'm sorry. Look. I, I, I gotta say it. I gotta say it. Look, man. Eclipse is kind of a cool character. But Jesus Christ, he has some OC energy going on. <laughs> yeah. Mm, yeah, no, I'm... Mm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I do like Eclipse for what it's worth. I really do like the I, character. I do. I, I like him too. I like him too. He is just very... You know how Xion in Kingdom Hearts? Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. I know. Yeah. Yeah. You, that's the same energy I get with Eclipse. I I like Eclipse, but it's also like, man... Is is this some is this some deviant art motherfucker? 
Now, I we 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 say that in jest. We know how tired the comments are. We but but listen. It's okay if your character feels a little bit like an OC. No, nobody's gonna judge you. Daisuke Ishiwatari literally has has the most Giga Chad OC of all time that he centered his entire fighting game series around. Like sometimes it's okay to put in a little OC. Everyone, ever, no, nobody, nobody's gonna judge you if they're well written. <laughs> and hey, his design pretty cool too. So it's yeah. more, it's way more unique than any of these fucking black arms. Yeah, it's true. I, it's very Echidna esque. Important to note, uh, but I kind of like that it's like this weird, almost like very twisted, like shadow esque design, but more, but a lot more emphasized on the alien instead of the biological. You know, and that is of course the end of uh, fifty nine. Let, let's keep the ball rolling on Sonic Universe sixty again. Flynn and Peppers are the creative team, so we see Eclipse's master who's noted as being called Black Death. Joyed, this is going much better than he had hoped. The humans and their bomb are trapped and soon will be feasted upon by the children. Eclipse will then enact revenge on Shadow, and soon nothing will stop us from harvesting the planet below. Inside the room, though, Team Dark and the Spider Troop turn on their helmets and their rebreathers, freeing them from the paralyzing agent. Omega never had this problem, does not have such limitations like lungs or breathing. Or any impairment of such. You know, I'm fine. Would have worked too, buddy. Nah, he's, he's got to spell it out. The rebreather on Rouge's neck, I'm pretty sure, is the air necklace from SA2 yeah. as well. Which is a very, very cute little touch. I like that. I'm going to be real with you. There's a lot of pulling of SA2 in the reboot. I've read ahead a little bit and um, <sighs> there's a lot of it. All right, is are my Kino detectors gonna go off the charts? Because I feel like they are. <laughs> they they probably will. They probably will. Probably yes. Black Death using Death's Eye tells us to stay fixated on the human troop. None of the other races we consumed were this much trouble. Then he six black annelids on them, which are like the the worms that shoot missiles. Yeah, I think so. I don't I don't know the names of any of these fucking troops. As he goes to oversee Eclipse, he's worried that he's still fixated on uh, converting Shadow. At that scene, Shadow asks if Eclipse is the new center of the hive mind. He says, I'm not, but they do listen to me regardless. This leads Shadow to say, to get out of my way, but Eclipse doesn't listen. Shadow then tries to warp away with Chaos Control again, but it's still not working. This leads Eclipse to grab his hand, saying, you are in my world now. You live and die by my rules. Where the spider troop is in the new black comic, they're ambushed by more annelids. Roots tells them that these things are living missile launchers. Do not give an inch. So Omega proceeds to blast a hole in the wall, giving the troop space to escape. Then he proceeds to tell them till there is land three stories down. The leader of the spider troop orders everyone to follow him, but Rouge insists we can't go on without Shadow. But what he says is Shadow abandoned us to be ambushed. Rouge says no, he was scouting ahead. He could have been ambushed as well. He says, well, then he can find us with his teleporting and weird mind link. Omega gives him cover fire, all the while saying Shadow will be fine. He is almost as strong as I am. Rouge wants to go down with the spider troop, but unbeknownst to her, they are all being followed by Death's Eye. While they fall down, sensors appear to be scrambled. They're kind of directionless. Root says, man, if only we had someone to point our direction. Oh, God, I don't know. Uh, then the, the leader of the spider troop, Andrews is his name, just gets gets lippy saying, I'm the head of the unit. As Rouge reminds him, no, you guys are escorting us. So you listen to me. 
That shuts him down as Omega detects a stream of water that appears to lead deeper into the comet. So Ruse lets him take point. Hopefully we can find Shadow along the way. Speaking of, we see Shadow trying to burn Eclipse with the rocket shoes as he's asking him how he's blocking his chaos control. Eclipse says that they are of the same blood. Chaos control is part of who we are. Something that I guess a lot of people forgot about Shadow is that Shadow the Hedgehog actually got his chaos powers from the Black Arms. Black Doom explicitly used chaos control at like the end of the game, I think. Yeah, he he is able to use Chaos Control to teleport the Black Comet onto Earth. Great game, great game. Uh, <sighs> Shadow doesn't believe him, so Eclipse decides to show him, grabbing Shadow's head, forcing a connection to the hive mind, and then flashes back to when Shadow defeated Black Doom as Super Shadow. He thought he destroyed the Black Arms, but what happened was Black Doom forced his consciousness onto a lesser body in another part of the galaxy that were doing another conquest. That body was Black Death. As a result of the hive mind, Black Death knew of the betrayal of Shadow and of Gerald Robotnik. If the full might of the Black Arms couldn't stop Shadow, he decided to make a countermeasure to the ultimate life form, Eclipse. Much like Black Doom before him, Black Death commands the hive mind and all Black Arms are an extension of his will, except for Eclipse! He has total free will, able to think and act for himself, the ultimate answer to the ultimate problem. But if he's free to think for himself, this leads him to think, to ask if this is the right way. The Black Arms are nearly extinct. We, wouldn't we be stronger if we worked together? Worlds would fold to twin sons of darkness. The Black Arms would live forever. I'm, I'm sorry, the, the twin sons of darkness line is a little, little OC energy in my book, but hey. But Shadow... He's fighting the hive mind, saying he destroyed them once before, I will do it again. But Eclipse says there is no need to fight. You don't need to pretend to be one of them anymore. You can come home. That gets Shadow. Says that my home is on the shattered planet below, and you, Black Arms, want it destroyed. My path is clear. Shadow regains control. Black Death comes overhead and blocks Shadow's will with a giant visage of Death's eye. Then we see a, a two-page spread of Eclipse and Black Death, forcing Shadow's memories on him. Black Doom created him, fighting Sonic and Commander Tower. Black Death reminds him that he has seen the world that the planet had offered him. They are beneath you. Eclipse reminds him of Maria, Sonic, and Shadow and Omega. You are an immortal. One day, the friends and rivals you know and love will be nothing more than a memory. And Shadow, he breaks free of the hive mind. He's a little dizzy, but Black Death scolds Eclipse, saying that this would have been your chance to end him. But Eclipse still says, I think it's still worth to talk Shadow into this. But Shadow grabs Eclipse by the neck. I will be the one to end you first. Eclipse says that would have been the easier option, ultimately. So then Black Death says again, your last chance to turn him. He grasps Shadow's head exerting his will onto Shadow. As he is of black arm blood, you are mine to command. Remember your true purpose. Then Shadow turns, speaks as if he is black arm, which is, the way this is visualized is that his text bubble has a red background to it. Kind of a neat touch, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's very, I, this was something that was done at the very end of the game, but Shadow resisted Black Doom with the power of the seven Chaos Emeralds and all of his friends, because, you know, the power of friendship, you know, so him not having them here, you know, it makes sense that he'd, that he'd succumb to the, the hive mind link and all that stuff. Shadow the Hedgehog, Vanguard of the Black Arm Invasion, to bring Black Death the Chaos Emeralds, 
and ensure a swift harvest of the world below. So Black Death reminds him that this is the second time that I allowed you to exert your free will, Eclipse. Do not let this be a mistake. As he says, the dark arms will make me stronger, and shadow even more so. Welcome back to the fold, brother. So the reason why Eclipse obviously keeps calling him brother is because he sees them as equals. I, I know that's kind of obvious, but just pointing that out. They're they're brothers, bro. They're they're just two brothers. It's Dante and Virgil. It's Devil May Cry. Uh, pizza time. <laughs> pizza time. Wacky Wahoo funny, man. Black Death sees the invaders pillaging into the core of the comet, ordering the Black Arms to find them and their bomb. We will use it on the planet below and harvest what remains. Eclipse and Shadow leading the army of Black Arms. Meanwhile, Team Dark and the Spider Troop are just wandering aimlessly below. One guy just says, why don't we just set off the nuke and just get out of here? But Andrews reminds him, chunks of the comet could land on the planet. We have to do this right or not at all. As for Shadow, Rooch thinks that he was either captured or somewhere brooding like usual. And for his sake, it better be the former. Omega says to, and I quote, uh, restrain your equestrian mammals. <laughs> we are deeper into the comet now. I don't know where to go, though. He identifies multiple lifeforms not of the comet's biotechnology and loads up on ammo, preparing for the worst. Shadow steps out with Eclipse and the rest of the Black Arms following. Omega warning him, if this is a ruse, give it up now. Andrews uh, shows off a little racism, says this was coming. Neutralize Shadow, he's a liability. And Ruse shouts at Shadow, you gotta fight this. Omega says he's gonna open fire. Eclipse going, pfft, wow, they're giving you orders? Threaten to shoot? Why don't you go show him a more appropriate response, buddy? Shadow, homes in, attacks Omega, dodging his fire. Rouge telling Andrews, fall back, run and gun. Eclipse goes after the remaining humans. And brother, you can have those two. And that's the end of issue 60. Not bad, not bad. Uh, on to issue 61, Flint and Peppers, the creative team. Shadow has Omega pinned down, about to impale him with a chaos spear. Omega warning, I will be forced to destroy you if you continue this, but Rouge managed to kick him off. Omega is really hoping to get to prove which one of us is stronger. You know, maiming would be involved, honestly, but you'd heal eventually. Hey, come on. So Rouge and Omega are arguing that we really should be trying to talk him back into our side. As Shadow recovers from being thrown, starts to get his head cleared. But then Death's eye speaks to him, saying, do not talk to them. Only destroy them. Black Death watches the fight continue, commenting how Shadow is still able to resist the mind control. No wonder Black Doom couldn't control him. The thirst for revenge has clouded his judgment, though. Shadow was meant to be a key to swift victory for the Black Arms. They would swoop down, let Eclipse neutralize Shadow, then use the Dark Arms project to empower our warriors. Instead, he let Eclipse waste time trying to control Shadow. Using Shadow to destroy the planet he's sworn to protect would be pretty sweet, but right now he'll either be defeated or defeat his friends. Which is fine either way, provided the humans and bombs are dealt with. So, he connects to the Hive mind eclipse how you doing eclipse is saying that these humans are persistent shut up and let me get back to work as the spider troop are seen fighting the dark arm troops but eclipse uses chaos control to warp himself behind spider troopers and takes them out leaving only andrews to order to continue on as eclipse uh how do i put this he kind of does the uh warps behind you nothing personnel kid no move. kid yeah <laughs> uh you and what army buddy black death then tells eclipse don't kill them Alive makes them better nourishment for the younglings. Eclipse then backs down, says, More black arm troops to come in, take the humans away, as well as their bomb, to the most secure place of the Black Comet. The one solely conscious spider trooper who was pulled out of the gun mech is brought into Eclipse's, um, 
His workshop, he calls it, where he houses the dark arms. No one, not even his brothers, are allowed in here. Unless he supervises them. I don't want anything to happen to my work. The troopers are then covered in the Black Comet's what they call bioclay. Keep them there as nourishment for the dark arms. And the neurotoxin you're breathing in will keep you nice and paralyzed. So that's done. Gotta go check on my brother. Speaking of, we see Shadow still fighting Team Dark. After a teleport, Rouge is able to kick Shadow off guard. Omega pins him to the ground again. We gotta finish this. And then we stop the scene for a minute. Flashback to the gun mission briefing when Commander Tower asked to speak to Omega and Rue separately. He says, if necessary, you gotta neutralize Shadow. He is a liability. He's part dark arm and susceptible to their control. Gun is spread way too thin trying to keep the world going as it's being shattered apart. We don't need to deal with an alien invasion on top of this, you know? While Commander Tower does say he's made my peace with Shadow, I don't want to send soldiers to their deaths. If it's down to one life versus millions, we don't have a choice. Do what needs to be done. Now, in the present, these words kind of linger with Rouge and tells Omega, Okay, get off of him. Let me take over. I know the real Shadow's in there deep down. You are too strong and too stubborn to let these aliens control you. I know you've got some kind of inner struggle, and you don't want to talk about it. You'd rather brood than internalize it. But look, can just for the sake of everyone back home, can you just, like, get it together? Do I have to, like, invoke Maria's name for the hundredth time? That's a little fucked up, not gonna lie. That's a, a little... Uh... Alright, okay, hold on. I, is, can we talk about it now? I think it's time. It has happened. Unfortunately, we have reached the point in the comic where we have to talk about it. Oh, I hate this shit, man. I hate this shit. I hate this shit so much. So this is kind of around the time that Sega stopped letting Shadow be a character. It's unfortunate, and if you read the IDW comics, you will know exactly what we're talking about. But now Sega is trying to transition Shadow's character from being uh, good to being Vegeta. Yeah, and this is the... Uh... This is the problem. I'm not a fan of this because I think it completely defies all the character development. I understand that this is supposed to be a Shadow the Hedgehog 2 arc, so they're trying to bring up some of the old themes, but the problem is that even in that game, they were handled with more nuance. And I'm not a fan of Shadow just being Vegeta and not being able to openly talk to his teammates. Who he trusts it's not good it really isn't like this is the worst thing about sega today i really do hope frontiers can fix it if they want to go in that direction uh all i want to say is that as much as we meme on 06 shadow story was the best part of 06 yeah you want to know why because because it because it actually had nothing to do necessarily with Maria. It was just him kind of cleaning up the little bits of his character and coming and and you could see the fact that him and his interactions with Rouge and Omega were genuine and the fact that everything they were talking about was very grounded and very level headed and the trust the three had in each other was very real and it never felt like ever they would betray each other. Like, it just felt like they were, Shadow had, Shadow had finally moved on, and he had finally stopped brooding, and he was just open. It came, it was, it was so much better. Sega, eat ass. I don't know what else to fucking say, man. Uh, it's just, it's depressing. So unfortunately, we continue on. This causes Shadow to lunge a chaos spear at her, but it was to point out Death's eye, and struggles to tell Omega 
10 o'clock high position. That's where I'm being controlled. Omega understands. He opens fire at Death's eye, leaving it to fly off. And Shadow's head is cleared. He's back in control. Control he should have never lost, so he says. Shadow's upset that he nearly killed his allies, but Rouge reminds him that you didn't. I did what I did because I trust you, man. We've been through a lot together. I've let my guard down around you before. Plus, kind of figured saying Maria's name would trigger him. Okay, so now Shadow says, all right, we got to be careful. We're going to end up being buddy-buddy like the Freedom Fighters. It isn't about that! It isn't about that! Omega reminds him team discussions are irrelevant. Eclipse has escaped and he needs to be corrected with fire. Rouge says, not until you get in the camaraderie. Come here. Omega says he admits that you are the only meatbags I tolerate. Trust. I mean, trust. Omega says, let's continue the violent conquest now, leaving Shadow to tell them to go check in on the spider troop. And I will, Rude says, nah, uh, uh We just got you back from the mind control. We're not going to let you get caught again. Plus, Omega says the signal tracking them is weak. The architecture here is too maze-like. Shadow says, since Black Death got in my head, he can connect to the Black Arms hive mind better. So I'll give you a sense of direction. I will eliminate Black Death, their leader. That will draw the Black Arms away from them. Nothing will stop me from my revenge. Revenge. Okay. 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 Rouge is convinced. Shadow tells Team Dark, move out. So the three split up. Rouge and Omega deal with light resistance as Shadow directs them to find a larger chamber and follow a route that leads up and upwards. Should be three o'clock from their position. Shadow has light resistance to handle with as well, which, hey, at least the art's cool here. Full page spread of Shadow fighting Black Arms. That's fun, I guess. Rouge and Omega find the spider troop, break them out of their holdings, just barely holding on to life. Andrews is able to talk and tells them that he took the nuke. The leader of the Black Arms, the Shadow-like one. Shadow says that this is Eclipse. I'll explain later, but he's very dangerous. Omega, very hyped to fight the challenger, but if he is as dangerous as Shadow says, I'm going to need some backup. Rouge directs the troopers to get back to the shuttle. We can't spare an escort, unfortunately, but the way is clear. Shadow says as much and gives them direction from the info of the hive mind. Shadow also relays that a black oak has a nuke, as well as Eclipse's location while he's fighting black arms. So Black Death realizes Shadow's tapping into the hive mind telling his soldiers, move the incubators into a shuttle quickly, and tells Eclipse the humans have escaped thanks to the Batwoman and the machine. Eclipse is pissed at the idea of them hurting the Dark Arms, but those are untouched, warning them that Shadow and Rouge are on his direction. Do not let them get the bomb. That's eye is closing in on Shadow. He realizes that just like Black Doom, he's got this floating... thing. Okay. Black Death tells Shadow his place is among the Black Arms. You don't belong with the people of that planet. But Shadow emphasizes that I belong nowhere. I've chosen my home and my fate. A tentacle of Death's Eye wraps around Shadow's arm, warning him that he's dooming them to extinction. You cannot, as Shadow rips it off and slams the thing into a wall. I can and I will. And then he busts through the door, and in a great, great, I love this page. It's a shot from Shadow's perspective, looking at Black Death. And then Black Death looking at Shadow covered in light beams, essentially, right? As the debris falls around them. And then the two clash to to end the comic. Great, great outro. Super good. I like that a lot. Even if I have some... Some thoughts. Thoughts. Yeah. We're going to talk about those thoughts at the end of this comic. Well, we'll be getting to that sooner than later. Sonic Universe 62, Flynn and Peppers again, the creative team. Last issue of this arc. Shadow and Black Death are in their death match. Black Death calls Shadow a traitor. Black Doom gave you life. But Shadow says, no, Professor Gerald gave me life. 
Black Doom only supplied his genes. Fucked up. Shadow just called Black Doom a sperm donor. Fucked up. Fucked up. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a little, a little sus, dude. Uh, Black Death says Shadow is nothing more than an experiment to them. You owe him nothing. Shadow says he owes nothing to the Black Arms. I've made my choice. Make your peace before the end. So Black Death fires a laser from his arms, saying Shadow will be condemning the race to extinction. What gives you the right to pass judgment on us twice? Shadow backs behind a wall, takes a deep breath, removes the ring inhibitors. He's surging with chaos energy. Black Death serves to protect a thousand ravenous, mindless monsters, and you call yourself righteous? Shadow destroys the wall, standing before Black Death. I swore to Maria I would protect the billions of people on the planet below, the people she loved unconditionally. Prepare for your end. Meanwhile... The spider troop hobbles to the shuttle, the guard letting them in, so they didn't get the bomb into position, but the rest of Team Dark is handling that as Shadow distracts the Black Arms leader. Rouge and Omega are seen going through a cavern. Shadow hasn't called in, so he must be fighting Black Death as they just find the nuke, just out in the open. Rouge says, okay, this is obviously a trap, but Omega, Giga Chad as he is, says, good, let them come. <laughs> extremely based omega approaches the nuke as eclipse and a behemoth black arm was behind a wall eclipse is ready to fight but omega unloads a barrage of bullets into the behemoth and just kills it eclipse mourns it it wasn't supposed to be like this so this is a little interesting that eclipse has strong feelings for i guess his family normally it wouldn't be like this so eclipse is tangling with omega hands are locked together omega is surprised to see that this little thing is eclipse shadow said you were dangerous eclipse says that this was the time for the black arms to have our revenge but omega says he's weak you are unable to lead throw a chaos spear release a chaos blast do something surprise me holy shit this man just ended <laughs> his fucking career <laughs> Yeah, so Roots says, can you can you stop, you fucking sadist? Can you stop toying with him? Just set the bomb down and get out of here so we can move on with our lives. Eclipse gets angered with that. He doesn't want it to end like this. So this is kind of like, I feel like an ass pull a little bit, no offense. But he's able to change his form into a more armored, monstrous version of himself. That kind of matches Omega's height. He says he was born to crush Shadow. You are nothing to me, robot. Omega is knocked away. Rouge helps him back up. Omega says his strength is growing exponentially. However, Rouge thinks Eclipse may be burning out his metabolism in his form. See if you can just run out the clock with him. I'll set the bomb. Omega says, of course. I rush in and engage for science. <laughs> <laughs> for great justice rouge then comes to the spider troop she asks for the activation code and they give it sierra uniform 062 uh in code for su62 very cutie and nice ha 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 the nuke activates it locks into the ground as eclipse is just wailing on omega this was supposed to be the return of the black arms you are nothing special or superior i will personally consume everyone you love i i and then he depowers Rouge knew it. Now let's get out of here. But Omega says, well, I, I can, I want another round. Come on. That the bomb will do the dirty work. Let, let's go. Let's go. Rouge calls Shadow. Both he and Black Death are stopping to talk respectively. Shadow says once Black Death is defeated, the hive mind will stop functioning. So the black arms could still disrupt the bomb otherwise. I'm just buying time. Rouge doesn't want to leave Shadow behind again. Shadow says, I'm doing this for their sake. You save me. Now I'm returning the favor. What is it with you and your martyr complex? Okay, fine. You have eight minutes, you ultimate pain in the butt. Then once their talk is done, Shadow turns around to Black Death. 
as he's messaging the hive mind. The black arms, he tells them to load the dark arms larvae into the escape shuttle. They will survive us. He tells Eclipse to escape as well, but he refuses. He's on the ground. He's been pained, saying that he can continue. Just gotta disarm the stupid bomb. He continues to tell the Black Arms, delay the invaders. If anything, they'll be taken down with us. And Death's Eye attend to Eclipse. Death's Eye then entangles Eclipse into an escape shuttle. He's begging to be let go. He was right. Shadow's a threat. He needs to be dealt with. Let me fight him. Come on, let me do what you created me for, please. As then Eclipse is taken to the shuttle. He's restrained to a seat apologizing to Black Death for not listening, but Death's Eye pilots the shuttle away from the Black Comet, and as he flies away, he just screams into the void of space. Well, Black Death finishes, I've made my peace, Shadow then engages, overflowing in chaos energy, saying once Shadow kills him, the Black Comet will plunge into the shattered planet below, finishing that mess, but Shadow says that's what that bomb is for. This comet will never touch the planet. But Black Death refuses to die as Black Doom did. And actually, like, a pretty raw scene, I'm not gonna lie. Shadow says, yeah, you're not gonna die like Black Doom. I needed my super form for that. All I need for you, and releases one powerful chaos blast. Shredding Black Death's body just leaves him a clump of dust. It's uh, it's a pretty good scene. The 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 way that the panel is done, uh, we see a huge chaos blast, and we see the the linking panel between the top and the bottom, uh, a shattered like destruction of Black Death. It's really cool. So Rouge calls Shadow. All the Black Arms just collapse suddenly. Which Shadow says, "It's over. The Black Arms are done for. We got five minutes. So go take off. I'll be on my way." In Eclipse's escape shuttle, Death's Eye goes limp, and Eclipse realizes what this means. Shadow will pay for this. Hope you die on that comet, Shadow, because my revenge will be far worse. The clock counts down as Shadow races through the comet, the spider troops shuttle escaping. Rouge and Omega look at a window to the comet. Omega asks if Rouge knows Shadow's teleport range. She doesn't. If he had a chaos summer, it wouldn't matter, but Shadow's an arrogant so-and-so. But it's because he can back it up, so if Shadow says he's going to make it, the clock reaches zero as Shadow jumps out of an air hole into the vacuum of space, just as the nuke goes off, eviscerating the comet, and Shadow hasn't teleported in. Omega says, uh, my sensors must be faulty, I do not see Shadow, but Ruth says he didn't make it. Just as Shadow teleports in, deep breath of air, Rouge comes in for a hug, but then grabs the neck and throttles him. You had us scared to death. What's with you in dramatic timing? Shadow just says, I wasn't in rage to teleport, so I used the decompression chamber to fling myself into rage. Rouge is uh, really surprised as his plan was to fling himself into the vacuum of space unprotected. But Shadow just says, hey, it worked. I am the ultimate life form. <sighs> Rouge is at least happy it's over now, but Shadow says it's not over. He's still out there. While that is the end, so this episode, there's going to be another issue like this that kind of has a post credit scene. There was another one with the Mega Man comic that did something similar. So there's a post credit scene at the end, which gives kind of like what to look forward to next. And it varied depending on which version of the comic you had, which variant I should say. So this version shows Knuckles. He's at Sky Rail Zone and he's detecting a faint energy signature in the sky from that comet looking thing. But I have enough to deal with as it is. So that thing better not land on my island. Haha. Haha. It did in fact land on the island. The B variant though. Gun HQ. Commander Towers talking to someone unseen. This person says, I should have worked in the field. What are you doing here? But Towers says, no. I need to keep an eye on you. And that person happens to be Dr. Julian Snively. What? Mm-hmm. What? Uh-huh. 
It is who you think what? it is. What? What? <laughs> I didn't even realize he was fucking alive in this continuity. Oh, uh, yeah, he is. So, Snively, let, let's do this fully. So, Snively is from Sad AM, obviously, meaning he's fair game for the comic. However, as we mentioned in the last episode, none of the game characters are family. So, Snively's not related to Eggman in this continuity, but he is, I don't want to say double agent. That goes a little too far, but let's just say he is kind of an ally to Eggman, even now. Let's leave it at that. Classic Snively playing both sides. Anyways, let's talk about the arc. It's okay. Asterisk. Yeah, look, I, I'm i a fan of Shadow. Obviously, love Shadow, love the guy. But I love him especially when he's written well. I, I'm not going to say it's Ian's fault. It's not. He's done banger shit with Shadow in the previous arcs. So this really just smells like Sega mandates, you know? It is absolutely... Sega mandates. And I feel like you summed it up as good as it could be. I wish that we this wasn't really rehash shit. I wish the emotional development and character progression of Shadow was a lot more poignant. Because it feels very static. And I don't like that. Not a big fan. Still, not a bad arc. I thought it was pretty good. And the next two arcs for Sonic Universe in addition to this, is interconnected, actually. So the full title is the Dark Trilogy. Eclipse is the central character for the next three arcs. So the next arc, as you saw from the A-post scene, is going to focus on Knuckles. And then we're going to kind of bring it all back around in the arc following that. So keep in touch. Yes, absolutely. All right. So now that we've kind of gone past that, welcome to Sonic the Hedgehog issue 257. Who likes PTSD? <laughs> I like PTSD. Uh-oh. I, I like PTSD. I hope you're ready for PTSD because Jesus Christ, it gets fucking real. So Flynn and Stanley are the creative team. We open. The Sky Patrol is flying over Station Square in Sumerka. It's described as, quote, a city that still hasn't recovered from Perfect Chaos's attack. So this is kind of interesting to me. Ian did say in the past he did map out the timeline from how the games happened in this world. Um, Unfortunately, due to circumstances that we'll talk about in the future he was never able to release it so i don't know exactly the timing of everything but this seems to imply that the events of sonic adventure were like relatively recent at least within the past year <laughs> yeah <laughs> now station square is on a fault line of the shattered world team freedom get the environment under control team fighters go in to save as many lives as they can another interesting thing the team freedom and team fighters dynamic still exists but now instead of being dedicated squads it's just more of like this is how the teams will be split up to do their separate tasks for a wider mission now aboard the sky patrol sally is doing support comms t-pup and omo chow will be support units to feed her info. Sonic will be the runner for both teams as well. Cream and Cheese are left behind with Sally. Cream wants to be down there, but Sally says, right now I need you here as backup. Plus everyone was a little upset by those visions. We don't really have the luxury of dealing with that right now. Hey, Nicole, are you powered up and connected to the networks? We move into the city. Antoine and Bunny are dealing with a falling crane, leading Amy and Sonic to use its cable to save people caught in open waters. While Bunny's able to secure the crane, Antoine checks in with her, admits her head is kind of in all different places. I don't remember 
remember being in Station Square when Perfect Chaos attacked, but she and Antoine both have memories of saving people there. The dual memory thing is a distraction, as Bunny admits the memories of the old world are beginning to fade. So here's another thing. When I said before that the events of the games took place in this world, it is strictly the events of the game. The Freedom Fighters were not technically involved in the events of Perfect Chaos's attack, but what they're remembering is the Sonic Adventure adaptation where the Freedom Fighters were in Station Square. In fact, I think in the editor's notes here, it's actually citing a Sonic Archives release. Which is interesting. I, I do like that they are calling back to the game adaptations because they were mostly self-contained aside from some secondary stories that were not interlinked. <laughs> Big akin to cat racism. <laughs> yeah, we, we don't we don't talk about that. <laughs> Sonic calls out to them, less talk and more saving. He calls Sally asking for direction, and she reports there are people trapped right in front of Casinoopolis. On Team's Freedom side, Tails is hot wiring doors in Twinkle Park to free the people trapped there, as Rotor dies underwater to get the elevator working. But she sees from T-Pup, there's debris stuck in the elevator shaft, so that's gonna need to get freed. Meanwhile, our man Big the Cat's helping out, using his fishing rod, reeling people in from the water. T-Pup flies to him, Sally's on the line, Big... Can you remove the debris from the Twinkle Park elevator? And he does so pretty easily, leading the people he rescued to be able to get in and to high ground. So Rotor asks, okay, what now? She's a little distracted, but tells him go into the sewers, see if there are sewer lines to handle the flooding better. Nicole finishes that there is no place in the world that's not affected by the shattering. The Kingdom of Acorn, the United Federation, even the Eggman Empire is reporting chaos. Sally's distracted. She wants to save anyone, and they only just made it back to Station Square because we just happened to be in the area. Cream tries to, like, calm her down, saying, you know, we are doing what we can. You don't have to handle the burden by yourself, but Sally says, no, this is my responsibility, as she flashes back to when she was roboticized in the old world. She almost killed Sonic and undid the work the Freedom Fighters did and feels like she has to make up for it. Uh, oh. uh, uh. Uh, Nicole, however, grasps her and says, you will not do this now, saying we are all off balance from the dual memories. But right now, we've got to manage this crisis. To do that, we need you to organize and direct us. There is nobody else who can coordinate us better than you. You inspired Dulcie. You helped out Lupe. You are the best to lead us. We are in this together, Sally. You are not alone. Very beautiful, very poignant. Uh, Shoutouts to Dulce and Lupe, who, again, both were in Sad AM, their fair game. We covered this. Yes, good choices. Sally then breathes, realizes you're right, this isn't about me. Just as Cream reports that she was following what the Freedom Fighters were doing, Team Freedom opened up a sewer line and the Freedom Fighters are moving people away from Casinoopolis to the rooftops. And Cream's remind her, yeah, look, the world changed and bad things happened, but those are past us as Sally picks it back up, asking to Nicole to confirm the safety of our allies abroad and let's map out the damage of the world. Meanwhile, aboard the Death Egg, Orbot confirms to Eggman that Eggnet's satellite data shows the planet has fractured along the lines of the tectonic plates. And Cubot reports that the Egg bosses all around the world are getting reports of weird purple energy spikes. Plus, Eggman got a final study on the shadow of the Super Genesis wave. There's no way to undo the effects it did on reality. Oh, what a world we inherited. Orbot is about to say, oh, which you wouldn't, you know, if you hadn't interrupted Supersonic, Eggman swats in him. Bring that up one more time, I will turn you both into matching soup and salad bowls. 
Eggman has to find a way to fix this. There's still a planet to lord and conquer over in the end. So, full data mine. Eggnet, United Federation, gun, secure, otherwise, on anything surrounding tectonic shifts, strange energy signatures, and doomsday scenarios. After sorting by relevance, Eggman comes to find a renowned archaeologist and historical anthropologist named Professor Dylan Pickle, who has begun to decipher the ancient Gaia manuscripts, which, according to Pickle, chronicle a cyclical world destruction and rebirth cosmology. Ah, he's here. God, I love Professor Pickle. What a great character. Goat, goat, goat. Goat, goat, goat. This leaves Eggman to ask, are there any free egg army units near Spagonia? Orbot says, no, they're busy securing territory. What about the Badnik hordes? Um... E-107 Ada's unit is the closest. Send them to Spagonia University. Bring anyone related to Pickle's research. It's my only lead, but I gotta be thorough. There has to be a way to solve this. Now, back in Station Square, Sonic's running off the rooftop of a collapsing building. Two people in his arms. He's calling out to anyone else to help. Running out of rooftop here. And then when no one answers him, he starts to get a little angry. And his face is contorting a little bit. Hmm. Interesting. But uh, Amy flies in on her extreme gear, saving the three of them. Amy says, oh, you know, Sonic, I've always wanted to sweep you off your feet. Oh, really? You're flirting with me here now? Amy finds that a bit funny coming from the master of inappropriate one-lines. Yeah, yeah, but when I do it, it's cool. Hey. Omo Chow comes down to their rooftop. Sonic asks Sally if there's an evac plan, because we're starting to run out of buildings. Interestingly enough, there's a cameo in this crown shot of a... Blue-haired man who happens to look exactly like Linkara. Oh, fuck me, no! <laughs> this is a funny story. So Evan Stanley drew this explicitly out of a deal she made with him. This resulted in him reviewing Sonic Super Special Number 7 on his show. I don't like that information. I, I fucking hate Linkara. The Lightbringer! <laughs> you know I met him once? What was that like? He was actually like a perfectly normal guy. <laughs> Did not get any weird vibes from him. And then you learned. <sighs> This was before all that happened for the record. If you know if you don't know what we're talking about, honestly, don't worry about it. It's not worth the time to look into. I, I just think of the Oni Place clip, bro. I just think of I just think of the the the, the Oni Place clips every single time. Kills me. T Pup uh down below with Team Freedom are working to free people from subway cars. Sally asks if the Sky Patrol can do evacs, but Rotor says it's not built to carry around more than two dozen people. It's a mobile base, not a ferry. And as far as the subway lines go, it doesn't seem intact, so I don't think it's the best evac option. Options are limited. Sonic thinks that he's just got to keep running to save everyone here, single-handedly if I need to. But then, someone calms into Omochow, telling Sonic that that won't be necessary. Above in the sky, far above where the Sky Patrol is, it's a massive aircraft commanded by Commander Amanda Tower, who I assume is Abraham Tower's daughter, commanding the United Federation's Air Force's Letter of Gabriel. Gun units are being deployed for recovery. So she hails the Freedom Fighters airship. Sally picks up. The two have a nice little chat. Tower tells Sally she's very thankful for your efforts. Without you guys, we'd be doing cleanup as well as rescue. Even with a small squad, you guys are making a difference. And Sally's thankful, but... Also, it's a little weird to talk to you guys directly. We're really only used to talking to Team Dark. But she assures her they're doing their part to keep the world safe right now. As time passes on the deck of the Sky Patrol, Sally is talking to King Acorn and Vanilla. Cream is checking in with her mom. And she's saying that Gemral will keep her safe and Chocola as well. Gemral shout out. Fun. I love that guy. 
Yeah, me too. What a, what a, what a guy. King Acorn tells Sally that he's thankful. Thankfully, Westside Island was spared the worst of the crisis. How goes everything else? Well, according to Nicole's access to the Eggnet, things seem to have stabilized. But like, honestly, we don't know how the oceans are holding or how continental plates are able to stay in place. So Sonic responds to that. You know what, man? It's been a long day. Let's just call it magic and figure it out later, okay? Tails slumps into his chair. With everything going on, it feels like we just kind of woke up from a dream. Eventually, we're going to forget about it, you know? But Sonic says, don't worry. Let's deal with one crisis at a time. Then Sonic asks Nicole to call Spagonia, which they actually were just about to do. But Mutsky pits up the phone. Sonic asks, hey man, can you pass us to Uncle Chuck? But he's in a panic. Sonic thinks that the quake that they felt in Wood Zone are connected to the Shattered World Crisis. But Mutsky cuts him off. Chuck and Professor Pickle were taken by Eggman and his badniks. Research, samples, everything. That's the end of 257, folks. Welcome to Sonic the Hedgehog, issue 258, the start of the first major new arc, The Chase. Flynn and Stanley are the creative team. And thus, the Freedom Fighters are on the run for Professor Pickle. They are following the trail through the Force Zone in Soleana. <laughs> wow. Oh, Whoa, God. dude. Oh, God. Okay. This train that they're following is headed to the bullet station in Rail Canyon Zone. The Badnik Horde are on this train, and the Freedom Fighters are given chase. So the plan, Freedom Fighters are chasing the train on their respective aircrafts. Sonic and Tails on the tornado, Amy and Antoine on their own plane modeled after the tornado called the Twister. Fun, okay. Okay, that's pretty cool. I like that. I like that a lot. Cute, 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 cute. One thing I gotta say is that I like that they're really doubling down on the idea of like, yeah, everyone has like unique gear and tech in this world. So like extreme gear is like an ever constant. And like, they're really trying to make sure that like, people are using lots of different things to like sort of flesh that world out. I like it. I like it a lot. It's cool. It's I really, love it really too. Cool. So Team Freedom will be covering rescue. Team Fighters will try to take over the train. Bunny, Rotor, and Sally are on team lead, trying to cut their way in, but Rotor says his laser doesn't have enough juice to cut through the armor, but Bunny blasts it to finish the job, but see that the hole's a little too small to slip through. This leads Sally to drop Nicole's handheld inside, and she takes physical form. You know, you gotta be careful, my components are one of a kind. As she takes her handheld to the console, the train is running on standard Eggnet OS. I can take it over, but it might take a minute. Unfortunately, Nicole has been discovered by the Horde Commander E-107 Ada, asking if it's a rogue Bagnik on their side, but Ada attacks her, hitting a command console. This causes the train to accelerate to extremely high speed, leading Sonic and Amy to jump down, we gotta do this car by car. We gotta look for Uncle Chuck and Professor Pickle. Inside, we see them inheld by a capsule. Pickle is complaining that he must have a word with his conductor. This is no way to run a rail ward. I ordered my lunch hours ago. How difficult is them to get a proper cucumber sandwich? Oh, he's so based. Good <laughs> lord. <laughs> but Chuck, Chuck just says, alright, remain calm. This might mean we're about to be saved. Nicole dodges hits from Ada, throws her handheld back up to Sally, and she dematerializes. Sally asks the situation. Nicole says the controls must have been destroyed. But she can confirm Chuck and Pickle are on this train, and the door hatches are less armored. So that means that the E-100 units don't really care about collateral damage. It's attacking through the roof, so let's go car by car, before this crazy train jumps off the rails. So Amy starts smashing doors down to look for the professors, uh, but the car she smashes down is carrying armed payloads. So Amy just pulls back up and says, 
Uh, we gotta be more careful here. <laughs> <laughs> the the I, I think the description does this injustice because Amy happily opens it, right? In, in the panel. She looks down, dumbfounded, and then looks over with the most like 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 the oh. And then <laughs> and she sees that she dented missiles and just is like, ha <laughs> It's it's really it's really good. Bunny is about to shoot the next door, but Amy stops her. Um, I just I just smashed the car full of payloads, so let's not try to destroy everything here. Amy carefully smashes the door as Bunny is holding onto the latch, only find that this car is carrying extra fuel. At Rotor and Sally's car, they only find a refrigerated car. With a uh, food for Eggman. Sonic smashes through a car carrying a lot of badniks. Like a lot of them. And they escape and fly out and begin to chase the tornado and the twister. Forcing Tails and Antoine to do evasive maneuvers. And Bunny's got to go up in the air for support. More badniks climb up top. Amy comes in to do some rapid hits and help them out. Sonic does some uh, spicy chain homing attacks to get them out of the car on his part. Just as the train hits a curve... And at its speed, it ends up throwing off the Freedom Fighters. They're able to recover because of their extreme gear, but uh, Amy doesn't have one. And Sonic had to jump off to catch her and keep pace running behind the train. Well, you know, hey, at least the Badniks are gone. As Sonic jumps up on Rotor and Sally's gear, leaving Amy with Sally as he goes down to the last car that hopefully get Chuck and the Professor that are in there. But they hear crunching sounds coming from cars further ahead. Sonic has to take initiative and finds in the car Chuck and the Professor. Pickle thinks that this guy is the porter, complaining that he hasn't gotten his cucumber sandwich, leaving Sonic and Chuck to kind of do this non-verbal <laughs> like, 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 what? What is he talking about? Like, oh, fuck? Sonic is trying to get them out as Chuck warns him about the situation. You know, this is much bigger than the planet breaking apart and the gas samples that from the wood zone. Just as Ada punches through the car's wall, revealing itself. Sonic Tane, the professor, guess it's time to put your lunch order on hold. It's a very corny little line to end it off there, but hey, all right. Good issue, but let's go to Sonic the Hedgehog issue 259. Flynn wrote, Tracy Yardley drew the line out, but Evan Stanley did the finishes. We open, Sonic dodges a hit from Ada, Chuck warns him about being a super bad Nick, but don't worry about it, I've handled things like this before. Just wish I could get some backup from my team! Sally, Rotor, and Amy find another car with only a foosball table in it. Rotor sees and says, hey, wait a minute, the, the, the ball is shaped like Sonic's head. <laughs> what, what the fuck the the classic Eggman, bro the classic amy hears that sonic sounds like he's clearing out the fences but they hit another curve and at this speed we'll be taking out we will we'll end up being taken out with the train by the time we reach the end of the line sally then calls antoine and tails how are you guys doing bunny is doing her part to clear out the airborne badniks and seeing as sonic found the professors we're gonna need them for a pickup soon clear out the badniks on the double but uh sonic is still on the run from ada if sonic doesn't do something about it soon it's gonna destroy the whole car plus he can't gain momentum in here just as the train hits another curve leading chuck to uh hit his head against the container and he's knocked out cold this concerns sonic as ada pins him to a wall and sonic is blasted over this his face is contorting again as he gets mad oh if you're gonna play rough then i'm gonna amy comes in 
right at the nick of time, smashes Ada away. Sonic breathes for a minute as Sally comes in to help Pickle and Chuck. Amy smashes Ada's pincers, leaving it crushed, which leaves Sonic and Amy to give Ada the croquet special. Amy slams Sonic in his spin dash to charge into Ada as Sally and Rotor free Pickle and Uncle Chuck. Amy sees that, you know, Zero wasn't this annoying for me to deal with. Just as Sally tells them, all right, the rescue's done. Biplanes are inbound. We got to get out of here now. Leading Sonic to pick Amy up as she smacks Ada away again as they head up to the roof of the train cars to catch their plane. Sonic revs up. Ada gives chase as Sonic jumps up and touches down on the tornado. Amy figuring that, you know, what you did was really, really nerve wracking. But hey, look at us. We're perfectly fine on the wings of the plane. Hey. On the twister, Bunny has taken care of the last of the badniks. The professor's sake of sound, so let's get back to the Sky Patrol. Then, on deck, Sonic is kinda losing his temper with Professor Pickle, saying that they lost their research, Pickle's notes, as well as Chuck's samples. Sonic asked, why didn't you mention that before? Pickle, you look busy finding that robot. It, it would be rude to interrupt, you know? As Chuck says, well, my excuse was that I was unconscious, as he has an ice pack on his head. So now, a little bit of an exposition dump. Pickle explains what's happening here. His research was that he was looking into the Gaia manuscripts that say every 10,000 years, the planet goes through a death and rebirth cycle where the planet shatters apart and puts itself back together. What's key here are the Chaos Emeralds. When placed inside the seven Gaia temples, they will restore the world to order and begin the rebirth process. Sonic figures that with everything he's seen in the past, honestly, this I, I believe this doesn't sound like a stretch. Sally thinks that if Eggman wanted to kidnap you, then we must be on the right track. If this is a recurring phenomenon, then must this explains why our atmosphere is still working then. When being asked about any of the temple's locations, Pickle says he doesn't really know, doesn't decipher much. Plus, he doesn't have time to verify the two temple locations he think he found. Though, Pickle is a little stumped as to why Eggman would want him in specific, but Chuck knows why. Eggman wants to be the one in control of the situation, put the planet back together his way, or hold it hostage, take anything good and use it for his own twisted ways. Or like he did with your roboticizer. <sighs> yes, Dylan, like he did with the roboticizer. And this also confirms that little element of Sad AM too it, that still happened in this world. We'll talk about that more in a second, actually. Yeah, yeah, we will. The Freedom Fighters don't have a head start with the Temples, but at least they need to get to the Chaos Emeralds, leading Sally to call the Allies abroad to see if they can help. But then Chuck asks something else. Pickle, did the manuscripts mention something about a sickness in the Earth? Pickle says there may have been. Picked up something or other about a dark Gaia that instigates corruption and supposed destruction of the world? A malevolent deity, that one is. Well, Chuck doesn't know anything about evil gods, but the test on the energy proves that this energy is highly corruptive and has incredible mutagenic properties. We're talking about a total cellular rewrite here, Sonic. But he says, Uncle Chuck, I'm fine, man. Come on, jeez. Chuck continues, with the minor earthquakes, it only seeped out of the ground, and now it's pouring out. So we gotta put the world back together before we reach total global saturation. Okay, cool, easy. So Sally asks Sonic, have I been left out of the loop on something? But, uh, he's fine. I'm fine! I'm fine! It's okay. Nothing bad will come from this. You got other things to worry about. Come on. Yeah, yeah it's fine. Sally then goes to arrange Pickle a flight back to Spagonia. We will send word to Gun that he's being targeted. Chuck then talks to Sonic. I've seen greater effects from smaller doses than what you inhaled. Are you sure you're okay? Sonic says, I'm fine. I coughed it out. Besides, think back to recently. He has been losing his temper a little more than usual, but assures Chuck I can handle anything that comes my way. I, I'm Sonic the Hedgehog. 
Come on. Meanwhile, the bullet train arrives to the station at Rail Canyon, half destroyed with Ada stuck halfway through the roof of a car. Eggman's pissed, but Orbot says on the bright side, the train did arrive on time. Uh, should be lucky the rail stayed intact with the state of the planet, leading Eggman to yell at him to count inventory on what was lost. Well, uh, good and bad news. The munitions and fuel is intact, but we have a total loss of badniks and food. Plus, the hostages are gone. Uh, in the back, we see Cubot trying to map up Chuck's spilt samples, but uh, the mop he's using comes to life and tries to attack him. Very funny, haha. <laughs> Uh-huh. Indeed. But Eggman says this isn't a total loss. I still have what really matters. The Gaia manuscripts. So this issue has another post credit scene. Again, very depending on which variant you had. The A variant is a scene of Eggman's egg box, Axel, getting a call from him to defend this local base no matter what. He tells his boys that Eggman's got some new fascination with ancient temples or something like that. I don't know. The B variant's post scene, we see a chow garden. Someone by the name of Coral the Beta tending to a shrine with her chow as a voice calls to her saying a group of heroes will be coming and you will need to help them save the world that's the end of that issue that last scene will be a uh the teaser for next episode that'll be the arc we're covering and yeah so what do you think about this little set i like the ptsd (laughs) (laughs) i think the chase is cute it's nice that uh you know it's mostly action based and it's just sort of like we're going right into it we've established all of our stuff we get to see our heroes in action some good quips some good bits i mean it's it's a good set of comics I didn't have much to comment on because there's not that much to talk about in terms of story, but it's just good, solid fun, and it's well-written. I can't, can't deny him for that. I, Amy's scenes were great. Loved her. I What I really like is now it's obvious we're doing a Sonic Unleashed adaption. So now I'm really glad that Ian's taking the opportunity to kind of fill in bits that Unleash kind of like had of like the state of other places in the world. Because like, hey... We got to see Soliana and we got to see Station Square feeling the effects of the Shattered World. So, hey, that's really cool. It is. I like that a lot. I've been trying to look for this for the longest time, but there was an album that Jun Sonoy released where he had a bonus track of Station Square, which sounds eerily a lot like a Station Square night theme that would have been an Unleashed. So our final comic today is from Free Comic Book Day of 2014. Now... So, remember how we talked about how uh, a lot of the old past got rewritten? Uh, so what about the characters? What about, what about our, what about our core group of characters? What, what was their new old past? Well, we, we have some interesting stuff to talk about. Let's also get out of the way. Ian Flynn wrote, and we have a new artist here by the name of Lamar Wells. And if I'm doing my work, this guy is, uh, incredibly based. Uh, his entire career has been with Sonic in the comic world, even working on IDW Sonic today. So, bless up. Bless up, man. Another thing I do want to comment on as far as the free comic book day goes is that because of the crossover, now Sonic and Mega Man are kind of like intertwined. This was like a half and half release for Sonic and Mega Man. The Mega Man side is a reprint of the Dawn of X B stories, which are, look, if you like Mega Man, you will love that story. It is a prequel to Mega Man X and it is fantastic. Do look at it. But we're here to talk about Sonic. What we have is a completely original story that will talk about the the new old stuff that the characters played out. These are called Sonic Comic Origins, each focusing on a different member of the Freedom Fighters. So our start, of course, is with uh, Princess Sally, who, while going through a routine training exercise in the Sky Patrol simulator with Sonic, is reminded of simpler times, times of peace. When her and her father grew up together, 
him treating her like the pride and joy of his life, playing with them nonstop, despite the time that she knew she would have to take on certain responsibilities and duties, she never expected she'd have to lead so young, so early. In the dead of night, her nanny Rosie woke her up, helped her and her friends escape to Knothole Village. It was that moment when her father would be betrayed by his advisor, the man who would one day become known as Eggman. He was exiled into the special zone along with Nagus. They hid in Knothole, deep in the wood zone on West Side Island for a good while, but having to hide from the badniks only delayed from the inevitable. They were young orphans and runaways, but they were inspired by Sonic's heroism and became the Freedom Fighters. So this is a line that stood out to me, kind of tells me that Sonic didn't grow up with them as he did in the old canon. He was just kind of like a kid running around like stopping this fucking insane guy Eggman whenever he got the chance. I guess after the initial invasions when Sonic linked up with them, helped them defeat Eggman and all that, I guess whatever world's version of the endgame arc is would have been that. Yeah, pretty much. Together, they found her dad, restored the kingdom, and continue to fight the Eggman Empire today. But one day... After rescuing King Acorn, she asked formally to stay with the Freedom Fighters as their leader. I know I have responsibilities as a princess, but King Nigel stops her. Stand, Sally. Your heroism honors the kingdom. I'll worry for you as my daughter, of course, but it would be madness on my part to take her away from her team. Okay, Ian's talking again, guys. Uh <laughs> <laughs> he said, yo, this character was so shit before... Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. He's good now. Look at this wholesome dad. He's just trying to love his daughter and do the right thing. Ian, once again, really funny and based. <laughs> Talk to him. <laughs> uh, so he brings in Sally for a hug. I'll handle affairs of the state here. You go out there and save the world. Sally thinks those were the good times, but I don't regret the path I'm on. Sonic calls out for her attention to help this giant robot thing. And the two split off to continue their training simulations. And that's the end of that story, but we actually do have another origin story. Again, Flynn and Wells are the creative team on Rotor this time. Oh yeah, now this one is very fitting for Father's Day. <laughs> <coughs> so anyway, so we're still in the simulator. Sonic is running away from the mech that's chasing them, which kind of looks like the Scorpion Badnik from Sonic Spinball. I guess that's what this is going for. It, it is absolutely supposed to be that. Now, Rotor and Tails are trying to build a cannon to blast at it. As Tails puts his touches on it, Rotor thinks to back when he was a little kid. Didn't have much growing up, but I made the most of it. As a kid, he disassembled and rebuilt the toaster and put a clock on it. He showed it to his dad, but his dad ended up smacking it out of his hands, saying that his dad didn't really like new or different or seems like didn't like me either. So he ran away. Mobotropolis all the way down south from the Arctic. By the time he got there, it had already been conquered by the Eggman Empire, so he made his way to Knothole Village, and as it turned out, the people there really needed new and different. He needed no convincing to join the Freedom Fighters, and build away did he do. He applied himself, some plans here or there, and finally got the chance to create my magnum opus, the Sky Patrol. Rotor snaps out of his flashback as Tails calls for him. The cannon's ready to go. They fire it on the scorpion mech and it's taken out. Thus they move on to gate two. As Rotor thinks to himself, man, I may be a long way from where I was born, but with the Freedom Fighters, I really am at home. And that's the end of that story. And as far as more origin stories goes, we'll cover that in the future. So we'll find out a little something something about all the Freedom Fighters. Absolutely. 
A solid set of comics today. Uh, not a lot to say, as there seems to be a bit less in-depth discussion, but this is more of just sap before we get to the real good stuff. Yeah, I mean, despite what we said about the Shadowfall arc, honestly, the fact that it was just Shadow the Hedgehog 2 really amused me, so I just kind of liked it more just for that alone. But yeah, the writing was not super solid. Shadow was done a little dirty, but the main stuff in Sonic the Hedgehog... That was pretty solid. Again, more setup. We're learning what the situation is now. And, you know, I'm kind of surprised that Archie or even the IDW comics now don't do the post credit scenes that we saw here. Because, honestly, that's a pretty good way to, like, incentivize people to buy all the variants. Yep. I, I don't understand why either. It's a, it's a little, little weird. But, yeah. Um... That's going to do it from us. We will see you guys next time as the road to Sonic Unleashed and the continuing arcs continue to pile up. So stay tuned. Follow us on socials. Like and subscribe. Give us money on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Sonic Speed. Low is $2 a month. Check us out. Why don't you? Check us out. Have a good one. See you next time, guys, for more of the Shattered World Crisis. And in Sonic Universe, a Knuckles arc. Who doesn't love a Knuckles arc? And I actually failed to mention this before we go. I really, really need to point something out here. Knuckles is the only major character who doesn't get his memories restored. Think about why when you get to the next episode. Think about why. Bye, folks. <laughs>